You're listening to a podcast from Victory. The antidote for worry is seeking first the kingdom of God. Learn more about how to handle worry and anxiety in week 12 of our series, Redefined. And we're going to talk about anxiety, right, or worry. Before I do jump off from the text, I just, last night as I was preparing the message, I was trying to preach the message to myself. And you know, there will be times when you're preaching the message to yourself and you feel like you're so convicted, you're on fire, you're excited about the message, I want to repent from my own sermon. You know, as I was preparing and, and, and speaking, I was on the third floor, I was alone, it was 11 p.m., uh, it was, everybody was asleep, and uh, I was preaching out loud. And then, as I was preaching through the message, when I turned to the door, I saw this girl out of the blue with the blanket, just staring at me the whole time. And I got so scared, I really shouted, It scared really, it scared me so much that night. It was my daughter who couldn't sleep. And she went up and uh, with a blanket, you know, covered. And she was just looking like that because she heard me speaking. And I said, don't ever do that again uh, when the preacher's on a roll. And we're going to talk about anxiety right? and, and, and fear and worry that creeps in in our lives every day, whether it's in a short attack like that or a prolonged anxiety for some. And, um, and we're going to look at Matthew 6. If you have your Bibles with you, turn it to Matthew 6, verse 25, and we'll look at anxiety. Uh, Anxiety is, as what I said, is something all of us go through. They made a study that 85% of what we worry about or anxious about, they never really happen. 85%. Okay, this was a research made and was published in Huffington Post. 85% of what we worry about never happens. And the 15%, okay, the remaining 15% out of the 15%, 97% out of the 15% said that when, when it did happen, it was something that was not as heavy or burdensome. In fact, it was a positive experience to overcome the things that they were worrying about. In short, 97% of what we worry about never really happened or does not really happen the way we imagine it to happen. That's big, 85%. Most of you, you worry about something in your life now, even as you attend the service. There are things that are running in your mind, things you're worrying about. 85% of those running in your mind won't actually happen. Amazing. Now, let's look at Matthew 6.25. Jesus was up on the mountain, and he was preaching to the disciples. This was a teaching. Again, Matthew 5, 6, 7, were teachings reserved for the ears of the disciples. Jesus wanted to first touch the hearts and to transform the lives of His disciples before they even go down and minister and change their culture and their community. There needs to be a transformation from the inside because Jesus knew, if I'm going to teach this down with the, to the crowd, they might not understand. I want them to have first a living testimony of redefining the lifestyle and the character and what we talk about up here in the mountain. You first change so that when you go down, you can revolutionize not just your own life, but the life of the people around you. Thus, the Sermon on the Mount Mount happened. It was Jesus giving a talk to His disciples and now He goes and talks about worry. 
Okay, Matthew 6.25, it says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more important than food, and the body more than clothing? Let me first start off by looking at the first word in this verse, which says, therefore. Look at your seatmate, say, therefore. This is a very important word. When you say, therefore, there was something that was discussed prior to this. Therefore, do not be anxious about life. Okay? Chinky spoke about uh, treasures in heaven and earth. Talks about security. And having an eternal perspective about the treasures in the kingdom of God. What that meant was, uh, prior to, therefore, do not be anxious, Jesus was already retraining, redefining their minds, saying, the way you live your life should be with an eternal perspective. It was tied up to the treasures and the wealth that I was talking about. Sometimes in Scripture you see divide, but here on the Sermon on the Mount, it wasn't really a divide, it was really one whole sermon that was spoken maybe around 30 to 40 minutes on the mountain. And so Jesus was saying, therefore, because you have an understanding that your wealth, your treasure, the money that you have is actually for the kingdom of God, not for your own kingdom, not for your own will, not for your own purpose. And that's why he taught them to pray. This is how then you should pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It was an underlying theme all throughout Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and next few weeks we'll look at Matthew 7. Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. If you put your life under the agenda of God's kingdom, He says you will not worry. You will not be anxious because you understand eternal perspective. You're not only for the now. A lot of people, they're very short term. They live for the now. When the money comes, it's gone. It's now. That's why every time they pray, they pray, Lord, give me money now because I spend it also now, right? And it's always about the now, very short term. Some people are more long term and and we've talked about having long term perspective about life and about wealth and that's why we ask people to save, to invest, to grow their money. But then as citizens of the kingdom of God, there's something different. What differentiates us from the rest of the world is that we have an eternal perspective about life and about wealth. Therefore, we will not be anxious. Now, if your perspective about life is everything happens here and the now, you will always worry. It will never be enough. What if something happens? What if God doesn't show up? You know, all the worries that, we, that runs in our mind, it's because we have a short term or just an earth, earthly perspective about our timeline and about our wealth. Jesus says, therefore, you cannot serve both masters, God and money. And if you serve God, you will not worry. Because you're serving in the, in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, who is king, not you, it's God. So whatever I've called you to do, the kingdom agenda that I've asked you to live out, you will not worry because I've got you covered. This is what Jesus was saying. So don't waste your time worrying, worrying, worrying. Why? Because I am the king. Therefore, do not be anxious about your life. If you make the right choice of where your treasure is, you will not be anxious. Because you understand my life here on earth is not that long compared to eternity. If I have an eternal perspective and I'm doing the will of God, I know God will provide. A wrong view of wealth would lead to anxiety. 
So with no uh, eternal kingdom perspective on wealth, we become anxious. We play the game of the world. If you don't have this yet, by the age of like that, you will be, you know, you have to start worrying. Oh, you're not ahead of the game. Oh no, what will happen? Competition's gonna kill you. You will be so dirt poor. And all the worries that happens because we're playing the game of the world. Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will wear, or what you put on. Right? It's not life more important than food and body more than clothing. The word anxious in verse 25 uh, was a Greek word that actually means, and this is interesting because we think anxiety is all about, oh, worry, anxiety is depression. No, no, it's deeper. The very root word of anxious means to seek to promote one's interests. He was going to the very root of why people are anxious. And that's the meaning. If I start looking at my own interests and promote my own interests, anxiousness comes into my life. Anxiety happens if I start to promote my own interests because I've forgotten the what? The agenda and the purposes of God's kingdom. I become defocused and led astray from the kingdom of God. And now worry comes in because all I'm thinking about is my welfare, my wealth, my fame, my power, my control. Do you know somebody who worries a lot? What do they worry about? They always worry about themselves and their interests. Even if they worry about others, they worry not because of the other. They worry about how they would feel if something happens to their loved one. What would happen if he dies? Who will take care of me? Promoting one's interest. So when Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What was he trying to say? He was trying to say, don't put your eyes on the cares of the world that you are led into temptation. Because once you start to do that, I'm just linking Lord's Prayer, which is in the same chapter. Once you start straying away from, the, from my agenda for your life, worry comes in. That's why a lot of people worry. Because they've forgotten the agenda of God's kingdom. The many times that I worry in life, whether it's finances, whether it's health of my kids, it's always because I've been led astray into not thinking about the kingdom of God. Another thing about anxiety is it is a sign of disbelief and trust in the king. Since the main theme of Matthew 5, 6, 7 is the kingdom, every time I'm anxious, there's actually a distrust with the rulership of the king. That's why I try to do things my way. And I try to do things, you know, I'll, I'll make up ways so that I could, I could uh, survive in this life. And all the worries that I have, it's because I distrust the king. That's why anxiousness is a sin. And God commands us, do not be anxious. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now Jesus gave them an illustration up on the mountain. You could imagine Jesus, he was a storyteller. He was sharing, do not be anxious about anything. 
what you will eat, what you will wear. You know? And maybe birds were flying, and he says, look at the birds of the air. Right? They neither sow, they neither reap nor gather, but they don't starve. Are you not much more valuable than they? He was giving them a very important lesson in life. I value you more than birds. But look, the birds. There's no headline, birds dying, starvation. Yeah. I, take, I took care of the bird, birds, I'll, I'll take care of you. You're far more valuable. Then he asked this question, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Good question to ask yourself. Who among you, by worrying, added a single hour to your life? Pare, pag may problema ka, mag-worry ka lang, magiging 25 hours yan. You can't. In fact, it steals you of time. It steals you of joy. And it steals the very purposes of God. Because anxiety will give you horror pictures of the future. Therefore, I cannot move. I'm in fear. There's anxiety coming. It's, 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 uh, it doesn't make sense when anxiety comes in. I'm robbed of it. So last night when my daughter scared me, uh, she sat down and we discussed the preaching. And we went through this verse and she said, Yeah, Dad, imagine. She said, I- I- I've watched a TED Talk about worry and, and stress-induced activities actually rob you. It's like, 11 ka pa lang, may nagte-TED Talk ka, di ba? And it was, she had so many good insights about how stress actually steals you of your time. Rather than adding time to your life, it steals you of time. When you worry, does it add another hour to your life? It actually steals not just your time, but the destiny of God for your life. Good question everybody needs to ask. So if somebody's worrying, you ask them, do you think you're adding a single hour to your life by worrying? Verse 28, And why are you anxious about, the, about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. As he was on the mountain, he says, look at the birds. And then maybe he said, look, look, look at the lilies of the field. I want to show you pictures of the lilies of the field. This is a picture I, in Israel that I googled. Okay. Not that I talk. Okay. Right. You can google lilies of the field, Israel. And you would see so many. Sometimes it's white, yellow, red. You know, beautiful pictures of the field. Jesus was saying, look, look at that. Did I not design that field? Solomon in all his riches, nothing can beat my design. And you worry about what? Clothing? Do you really have a problem? When we were in Bohol, we saw the chocolate hills. And all this time I thought the chocolate hills was architected by human beings. And they made it into chocolate. Right? And, and the, the tour guide was saying, no, it wasn't. It's natural. Wow. You look at chocolate hills and all your problems go away. Especially if you can taste the chocolate. Huh? But imagine how 
amazing God is and what's your problem again? Clothing? That you couldn't afford that? Well, you have eight sets of clothing. You don't need another one. Consider the flowers in the field. Look how I clothe them. What are you worrying about? Are you not much more valuable than flowers or lilies? In verse 30, he says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little what? Faith. Anxiety is distrust. Disbelief. With the motives, the heart, and the actions of the king who rules the kingdom. He says, that's a lack of faith when you worry. That's why I don't want you to worry. It's sin. I want you to look at this table. If you look how Jesus told the story, you can actually make a table and see the contrast of what he values and what the world values. He says, it's life. Not more important than food or drink. Your life. Your everyday life. The relationships that you have. The things that really matter are not the more important than food or drink. In fact, food and drink should happen because of relationship. That's why you don't eat alone. Use food as a tool to build relationship. Maximize those times. Why? Because life is more important than what you will eat, your lunch or your dinner. And then he says, your body more important than clothes. Your health. If you understand the agenda of God's kingdom, you know it would take a long haul to make this happen. To preach the gospel, to make disciples, to make a difference in the world. We need healthy bodies. Imagine you praying and saying, Lord, you know what? Because I really want to change the world, it's just I'm sick all the time. Because we value clothing more than our health or our body. Or the food rather than our health. Then he talks about in verse 30 how we are much more valuable than stuff, than the things of the, wor- the world that Gentiles would run after. In the famous Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness rather than the offer of the world. It's interesting Because if you leave church today and you go outside, whether you go to San Juan, to Makati, you go Paranaque, you go anywhere in the world, billionaires are building churches in the Philippines. We call it mall. And thousands, millions flock to the church every Sunday worshiping what they value. What's inside the mall? Food, drinks, clothes, stuff, offers of the world. This is what the world values. We put billions upon billions on what the world values. I'm not saying it's not important. But those are secondary values. They're not primary values. Like life, relationships, body, you, and the kingdom of God. That's why I think victory is in the mall. We're trying to redefine 
values. Because the kingdom of God is valuable. Go where the people are. Go where they worship. And give them an alternative. This is who you need to worship. Not the food or the drink or the clothes or the stuff. It's understanding the king, loving the king. And living out the principles of the kingdom. Verse 31. Therefore, again, the word therefore. He builds the case of what's really valuable. And then he says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. It was a representation of the world. For the world seeks after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. What was Jesus saying? Don't pursue and pour out your energy with the treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy. Where thieves break in and steal. That's what the world does. They pursue the offer of the world. You know why? Because I know what you really need. You don't need the excesses of the world. I've got your basic needs covered. You're not going to think about clothing. You're not going to think about food. I will provide. You work the agenda of the kingdom. You live according to my will. Basic needs covered. I'm your king. I will provide for you. Learn how to say enough. Because you know the king has got you covered. In short, he's got it all for you. And then verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Now, misconception about this verse. Oh, if I seek the kingdom of God, the boyfriend that I've been praying for will be added to me. Oh, if I seek the kingdom of God, oh, the two cars that we're believing for will be added unto us. I hope you understand the context of the verse. When you seek His kingdom and His righteousness, your priorities are now different. The all are the basic needs. Clothing, food, drink. God says, I'm giving you that. It's covered. You can actually live the full life. Imagine the word, right? They can't live the full life because they need to consume more. They think, if I have more, if I eat more, this will be the full life. And they eat, and they eat, and they eat, and they eat, and they're never satisfied. Jesus was saying, you seek the kingdom, you will be satisfied. All that you need, I'm giving it to you. But because you're in the kingdom of God, you feel so fulfilled and satisfied with what I have to offer. And like the world, chasing after the wind, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. And then verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious. Again, therefore. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus was saying, therefore, do not be anxious. Building the case. Now that we've talked about this and talked about this and the values, 
And I've summarized it. Therefore, again, do not be anxious. Six times he said, do not be anxious. I think his message is, do not be anxious. Right? Very clear. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Why is Jesus saying, do not worry? Whose job is it to worry? Whose job? It's tomorrow's job. Okay? Don't think about it. Tomorrow is worrying about it. And tomorrow, Monday, will be today. So it's Tuesday's job to worry, not your job to worry. I've got you covered. As you go through problems and anxiety starts to attack, remember, it's not your job to worry. It's tomorrow's job to worry, not yours. Fix your eyes on me. Fix your eyes on my purpose and my will. I've got you covered. There will be challenges, but it's not your job to worry. Do not be anxious. Let me jump off from another uh, verse in the New Testament. It uses the same word as do not be anxious in its original language. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He what? cares for you. Now, you look at this verse, right? And you feel, oh, God is so charming. I give to Him because He loves me. As much as this sounds chummy, it's not. It's actually a command. Cast. Whatever worry that you, you cast it on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. And why do I tell this is not the chummy chummy thing like, cast, you know, I care. <laughs> it's not. Because in the next verse, verse 8 and 9 of First Peter 5, He says, Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, resist him. You cast all your worry, and the worry and the adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion. And I know this verse has been used to scare you. The context was about anxiety. He says, when anxiety comes... Be sober. A lot of people, they're not sober when anxiety comes. They make bad decisions. When you make decisions because you're worrying, it would lead to the, the results would actually be troublesome because you're making a major decision while having a negative emotion and sin in your heart. When I'm worrying, you know, I start making decisions. Jesus said, no, be sober. Clear mind. Kingdom purposes, lead me not into temptation. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm sober, but I'm vigilant. I attack. I'm not like letting, okay, worry, nest on my head. No, no. I fight the worry. I fight the anxiety. Because what? You're, the devil walks about like a what? A roaring lion. The picture is that the devil is not the lion, he's like a roaring lion. He's a cat, sounding like a lion. Just like anxiety, the exaggerations of the enemy. So he goes to us like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour by telling you, MJ, meow, this will happen to you. MJ, this is your future. 
He's like a roaring lion. He gives us exaggerations. And how do you fight? Be sober, be vigilant. Resist Him. There's a fight. That's why this is not like the chummy, I give to you, Lord. No. Be sober. Stand firm. Fight the anxiety that comes. When anxiety attacks, attack anxiety. How do you do that? Again, another verse that uses the same word for anxiety. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, through prayer and petition, with what? Thanksgiving. With an attitude of gratefulness as I pray before God, present your request to God, and what's the result? And the peace of God, sober mind, peace. It's clear. There's peace. I'm safe. My mind is clear. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Amazing tool that God has given us. Do not be anxious. I've learned this mode of prayer. It's not a formula. It's not a magic thing. It's not a ritual. It's actually based on the Bible. It's like prayer. It's like breathing. You breathe in. Then you hold and you breathe out. Right? When you're scared, right? The breathing. When you're scared, anxious. Right? You're like a dog. Okay? You're, you're anxious. But when you're sober, you breathe well. Right? When you're in pain, there's the proper way of breathing. My wife knows. She went through childbirth. Right? Proper breathing. And it's the same way with prayer. Okay? We breathe in, we rest in God's presence. Then we hold and we enjoy God's presence. Then we breathe out, we release anxiety and saying, Lord, I cast all my anxiety upon you because you care for me. Okay? I'll give you an example. You're worrying about maybe your child who's sick. And the devil now roars like a roaring lion would tell you, Oh no, your son has this virus. I think it's dengue. I know it's sipon, but it's going to be dengue. And your mind's playing around. Anxiety. Nonsense. You're not in your sober mind. And all the exaggerations of what will happen. Oh, napanood ko sa Facebook. Ganito nangyari doon, ganyan. And I googled about sipon and it leads to cancer. And all the things. Anxiety. Imagine. And we laugh, but you know, we, we have a tendency to do this. So as a citizen of God's kingdom, as His child, I go to the Lord and I rest in God's presence. I say, Lord Jesus, You are a healer. I want You to rest in God's presence. Breathe in. When you're alone. And then hold and enjoy the presence of God. Lord, You are a healer. And it helps if you can actually picture Jesus touching your, your son who has fever, taking away the fever. Oh, I just rest in you. I know you love my son. I know you're a God who heals. I just rest in you, Lord. 
And then you breathe out. You release the anxiety. So Lord, take away my worry. This is just colds. And I know you're in control. In Jesus' name, you breathe out. You'll imagine oh, even the tensions on your shoulders starts to go away. Whether it's a business deal, it's out of your hands, you enter God's presence. It's a sickness, a dysfunction in the family. You rest in God's presence and say, God, it's like another verse, be still and know and joy. I just know that He is God. Release the anxiety because you know He is God. You know, it would take a minute, two minutes to actually just do this and cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside quiet waters. You rest. Then you release. I shall not want. I release whatever covetousness that I have that's making me worthy because I wanted really this thing and it has been my goal for years. I release this burden. It's not mine to carry. It's powerful. When you give it to God. When you understand that you are His child and you're citizens of His kingdom. There's power when you pray. There's power when you release and give it to Him. Because you understand you are of a different kingdom. Can we just all stand up right now? We're going to pray. And we're going to apply this. I don't know what you're worrying about. Some of you, you're worrying about something so big. Some of you might be worrying about something not as big. But I want you to come before the Lord today. We're going to the breathing prayer, right? We're going to just rest in God's presence. You know, that's why it's so important to read the scripture, no? Pag wala kang alam na scripture, di ba? Pag breathing mo, ano na nga sasabihin ko? Wala kang mapanghawakan, no? You can't hold on to His Word. That's why it's so amazing if you know the Word of God. Now, for some of you who are new, I'll give you a verse. The one I gave you. Be still and know that I am God. That's a verse you can hold on to. Okay? Whatever worry that you have now, I want you to enter into the rest of God's presence. Just breathe in and enter His rest. And I want you to hold and just enjoy. I want you to listen. Sometimes God would speak to you as you are in that rest. burdens that you're writing down in the prayer request. You don't actually have to give it to us. You can give it to God. to release right now whatever anxiety that you're feeling speak to the Father He hears He knows He cares
cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. those of you who are in lack you're saying I don't have enough I don't know how to survive financially I want you to enter God's rest just breathe in Jesus you are my provider Jehovah Jireh I rest in you Lord, I release any worries and anxiety I have about my business, about my career, about my financial future. Lord, I cast it to you. Even as I start living out your will, I know you've got me covered. So I release, God, whatever problems I'm facing now, some just worries that I have for my future I give it to you Lord I'm at a loss I don't know where my direction is let me enter your rest God Lord you are full of wisdom and so I ask for the mind of Christ Lord, I release my anxiety of my future, of the path where you want me to be. I pray, Lord, that you would even open doors, Lord. I want you to see even Jesus opening doors for you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray in faith, Lord, as I come before you, that I would serve in your kingdom. I would have the mindset of somebody whose citizenship is not here on earth, but whose citizenship is in the kingdom of God. So Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I cast, Lord, I surrender, I throw all my worries, my anxieties to you. Thank you, God. Release me from any burden that's not from you. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.